0: This is Sound and Vision on KEXP. I'm Emily Fox. Molly Obamsawin is of the Odinac First Nation and is based in Maine. She's a classically trained bassist whose music career started off in the folk trio Lula Wilds. She also leads a jazz group under her name. The latest album with that project explored indigenous stories. <laughs> She's now out with a new shoegaze indie rock album with guitarist Magdalena Albrego called Greatest Hits. One of the tracks was recently featured on the FX show Reservation Dogs. This latest album is about intimacy under colonialism. It was written during the pandemic, a time when Obamsoen started to reevaluate her relationships. Many relationships were relegated to social media, and some fell apart or faded away.
1: Yeah, and I just, you know, I kind of realized, like many people, I think at the time, that a lot of my relationships were not healthy, and um, I'm Indigenous, and, and uh, I, you know, it was like such a era of reckoning also, just like globally, um, after uh, George Floyd's murder, and You know, with the history of this nation and all the friends were talking about it on social media and, you know, and I think a lot of us at that time just felt like we were grieving so hard and we really learned who was able to hold us at that time and who wasn't and um so that's kind of where the like seed of this album started and um and i was just really kind of interrogating all of my relationships um under colonialism which we all are
0: and i mean i think like the first lines off of your track bounty kind of encapsulate this a little bit and and i'd love for you to dive into it but you know this There's this line that says, the kind of enemy you can hold on to, a ceremony you can belong to. Do you seek a body
2: tender in your company? A sympathetic.
1: Tell me more about this track and those opening lyrics. Bounty is about some relationships that ended. And, you know, as I was kind of looking backwards at those relationships and feeling the history of, you know, everything around us, um, I was just feeling like there were all these parallels between what my ancestors went through and the kind of like micro versions that those um, reproduce as in our everyday relationships. And yeah. So I feel like bounty is like the most direct kind of confrontation of that, but you know, like there were, there were so many ways in which indigenous ancestors were, I don't, I don't want to say captured, but like held and imprisoned literally, you know, and um, used and um, shrunken Um, And whittled down. And I think that even today, like our relationships that we have can kind of follow in the footsteps of of those dynamics. And so that was really um, in Bounty, I was really like exploring how that was showing up in my life. And also the kind of like, the ways that I am like predisposed to be really responsive to certain dynamics.
0: I mean, is there, like, a memory that comes up or an example where, like, you feel like these, like, ancestors have been kind of shrunk down?
1: First of all, right, like, our bodies have been taken. Our bodies have been literally taken um, in part or in whole um, and exchanged for bounty. Like, that's the literal Mm. translation of this song, right? Especially in the Northeast um, where the Massachusetts government was issuing huge amounts of money for the scalps of children, women, and men who were indigenous. So there's that, you know, um, shrinking us down to a price, shrinking us down to, you know, what we represent to serve um, the other, right? And, um, and I think that in some of my relationships at that time, you know, I, I felt like I was being used in that way, you know, if, if there were um, falling outs or betrayals that I started to kind of question like, what was I ever to you right what was I serving to you Um, you know in a more macro way
0: you're also a writer and you wrote an article for the Smithsonian reflecting, um, on the song, this land is your land. And (laughs) in the article, you talked about your dad's efforts to fight for sovereignty for the Abenaki. Mm -hmm. Tell Mm -hmm. me more about those efforts that your dad was involved in.
1: Yeah. Well, so, you know, the red power movement and, um, the American Indian movement were like huge in the time that my dad was growing up and he actually moved back East. He grew up primarily in San Jose, California, and he moved back home during the 80s and got involved. Um, So I'm from Odenac First Nation, and he got involved with efforts to try to get some of our land back um, on the U.S. side of the border. So for those who don't know, um, Abenaki of Odenac and Wollanac, there's two federally recognized tribes, um, both in Canada. And our traditional homeland is in the United States for the most part, and we don't have land in the U.S. And actually, a lot of that is because of scalp bounties um, oh. and, yeah, you know, like the hundreds of years of warfare that um, forced us to go north. And so my dad was part of a lot of organizing with Odenac, um and others to try to get some of our land back um, in the Lake Champlain region.
0: Wow. And it, and it yeah. sounded like, I mean, it was an effort. I mean, what was kind of the
1: final conclusion there? Did land um, get returned? <laughs> it did not. Mm-hmm. It did not get returned. And, you know, there's still hope. I actually do a bit of organizing myself now, and we got some land back in Maine. Um, so so there's that. But um, in my dad's era, it was not formally returned to the people of Odernak. Yeah. So... Yeah. Going back to the music, this latest
0: album is, is a big sonic shift from your previous project, Sweet Tooth. Um, and, and in that record, you sang in the Abenaki language. It features recordings of elders telling stories in their language. It also has a song titled Blood Quantum. Tell me more about that album, Sweet Tooth, and the stories you wanted to tell on that record.
1: Yeah, it's funny. People hearing this newest album will not probably guess that I made a free jazz record um, (laughs) just a year and a half before. Um, But I've always actually done both, um, you know, singer-songwriter stuff and um, instrumental things in the folk jazz world. Um, and, And that record is one that I had been writing for a few years and finally had... The time to sink my teeth into um, over the pandemic as well, and um, I wanted to really put my foot forward as a composer and an improviser and a band leader. Um, so it it really came together with a lot of help from my mentor Taylor Hobinum, and it basically gathers a lot of different stories from Odenek and puts them kind of in the context of jazz compositions and. It's telling, you know, our historical experiences, um, but it's also kind of a foot forward in um, the present as well. And um, for, for you know, listeners who understand the language, there's a lot that they can learn about our specific histories. But um, I think for outsiders, I think it does a good job to kind of show all of the pieces that influence the Abenaki footprint today, you know? So there's these stories of colonization, stories of leaving our land, stories of remembering our traditional roles, and it shares stories that come from long before colonization as well in our traditional homelands. Um, There's one song called Pereguazuis that is literally telling a story from time immemorial That we've preserved, and it's set in the Lake Champlain area.
0: I think I read somewhere, you know, you were talking about your musical studies, you know, you studied upright bass at Berkeley College of Music, and you studied jazz theory and composition at Dartmouth. And I think I read somewhere you were talking about the history of Dartmouth and talking about like it was like a Christian institution that was also, please fill me in on the history a little bit here. But basically, you know, part of this movement where, you know, boarding, it was very similar to boarding schools where it would take in Mm -hmm. indigenous folks and try to convert them into Christianity and, you know, kind of the white man's ways quote unquote. Tell me more about that history between Dartmouth and what did that feel like
1: going there? Yeah, well, it's interesting. Yeah. So like the Northeast in general was the kind of petri dish or like the the think tank for how colonization would go in the rest of North America, frankly. And so places like Dartmouth, Harvard as well, you know, started as schools. Um, They were chartered by the King of England. And Uh, for the explicit purpose of converting uh, indigenous people into praying Indians and so, so that's in Dartmouth's history. Um, I think that's why I got in because I kind of wrote about that history oh, and was wow. like, I'm aware that I should go here. I actually have a lot of ancestors who went, like early, like in the 1790s. <laughs> so, yeah, it was actually pretty focused on my nation, the Odenek, um, the people of Odinak First Nation. So, so there's that, um, and you feel it on that campus. You know, it's like very. Uh, that campus is very dedicated to like preserving its original aesthetic (laughs) which is you find that I think at old universities everywhere but um so so you feel that um but it's also got an amazing Native American program I think as a way to kind of make up for that history they actually recruit a lot of Native kids and have a lot of resources and programs um run by Natives there so that's cool yeah (laughs) Very interesting. Gosh. Mm-hmm. And to think like, yeah, the seventeen
0: hundreds that coming from the West Coast, it's like, wow, that's so yeah. much more history, you know, that totally. we can
1: Dartmouth actually um it has like an archive library and I actually got some of the recordings, the source recordings that are on Sweet Tooth. I oh, got wow. them from that library. Wow yeah, at Dartmouth. So yeah.
0: Interesting. So, you know, let's let's talk more about this this new album of yours, Greatest Hits. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm curious, like, what are some of the most meaningful stories you feel like you're telling in this latest record, or just songs that you're really proud of sonically?
1: My probably right now my favorite kind of accomplishment sonically would be masterpieces because I feel like it holds the like really vulnerable small space and the immense chaotic experimental um, wall of sound that we get to Brick And concrete,
0: 200, years buried. In the last lines also stuck out to me in that song um, Wrestle with the language to begin I didn't come to make a speech I came to live
1: So, I was researching this outlaw, this uh, native outlaw in Oklahoma. I, I think the reason I was researching this guy was because of a Lead Belly song out on the Western Plains. And he's talking about uh, Buffalo Bill. And I was, I think I was looking into the history of Buffalo Bill and like Native outlaws. And this guy, is about to be hanged because he gets caught finally for all of his misdeeds and they ask him if he has any final words to say before he gets hanged and he says i didn't come to make a speech i came to die those are his last words which is just like crazy to me you know and um but i changed it obviously um but i (laughs) you know like I, i think that like the the song itself is grappling with like The kind of lives that we have to eke out in late-stage capitalism um, and understanding our roles as young people um, kind of watching it all go down like I feel like especially during the lockdown years it was like wow like everything is just the crumbles are (laughs) reaching all corners of the earth right now and It's our responsibility, I guess, to try to piece things back together or try to envision... You know, it just feels like we have, like, a lot to uh, aim for as a generation. And sometimes you feel like you didn't come here for that gig. You just wanted to, like, live your life. (laughs)
0: That was my conversation with Molly Obamsuin. Her latest album with Magdalena Abrego was released on January 19th. It